0: Miss Audrey Ann, and I just want to thank everyone for tuning in today for, listen, Linda, dead girl walking, and just apologize to Ms. Audrey Ann. Miss Audrey Ann, how are you today?
1: I tell you, <laughs> I pray, I, <laughs> praise the Lord, hallelujah. That's how we I are
2: I in him.
0: here. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's how I am. Yes, yes, but guess what? That's all right. We in here and no weapons form is going to prosper. And I'm 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 going to bless this right now.
1: So Heavenly Father,
0: we gather here today with grateful hearts, Lord Father, acknowledging your presence among us. We thank you for bringing us together for this special episode where we have the privilege of hosting Audrey and Moses as our guests. We are grateful for her unique insights, experiences, and wisdom she brings to our conversation. Now, as we embark on this episode, we ask, Lord God, for your guidance and inspiration. Grant us open Mm. minds and open hearts as we listen to Audrey Ann's story and engage in meaningful dialogue. May our discussion be filled with respect Mm. and understanding, Lord God, fostering an atmosphere of learning and growth. Lord, we pray. That Audrienne feels welcomed and valued, shares <laughs> her thoughts and experiences, grant her clarity of mind and eloquence of speech, uh-huh. and her words may be, may touch the hearts of those listening and inspiring a positive change. We yes. also ask for your blessings upon our listeners. Thank them so much, Lord God, that they may be encouraged, enlightened, and empowered by the insights shared in this episode. May they yes. find inspiration and guidance to navigate their own journeys, embracing the lessons and perspectives that are offered here today. In your mm-hmm. love and gracious name, we pray, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Lord. Amen. 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 <laughs> amen.
1: Hallelujah.
0: We got to dive right in, y'all. We got to dive right in, Lord. We got to dive right in. Now, Ooh. Dr. Ogrehan, yes, can you ma'am. tell us more? Can you tell us about your latest novel, Dead Girl Walking? Not about the book, but what inspired you to write this particular story? And what themes or messages you hope readers will take away from it? I I love New
1: Orleans. That's the first thing I want to say. You know, if I had had my way, that's where I'd be living now instead of here. But um, a really good friend of mine's, um, Dr. Rhonda Lawson, did an anthology a couple years ago. And it was um, Black Renaissance. Um, It was called the um, New Renaissance And um, fiction, and it was 13 fiction authors, and I happened to be one of them. I was, it was a blessing. And so we were writing just fiction um, and using the style of the old Renaissance. And, And that title came to my mind because I have this, I have a really big concern in my heart for people who are hurting because of the names that their parents gave them i used to be a, a professor at a university and the hardest thing in the world was to call the roll every day it was it was it was um hurtful i guess you know it's the best thing to say for me because i i just it's you know you have all the the and the shias and the and the shahs and the and they all end with me me or my and you know you're trying to figure out who these children are and what were their parents thinking about when they named them and so um and so that's basically where i started with the book and and it is you know and about uh the hurtful things that people do to you and expect you to just be okay because of it that's basically um the gist of what my book is about
0: thank you so much for that and, you know i had the pleasure of actually reading dead girl Walking, and it was absolutely amazing but uh before we really get into the book I want to give the people who may not know you, even though you are a reoccurring friends yes. of the show. Yes. Uh, yes. But if they don't know you, you know, I never tell you, hey, say who you are, or what you do. I always try to ask questions about um, you. So that will give the readers a more intimate insight of who you are. So as a certified Christian life coach and mental wellness counselor, how do you incorporate your expertise into your writing like how do you balance addressing, addressing personal and emotional challenges within your novels while providing a Christian perspective?
1: Thank you. Um as as a as a psychologist and as a Christian life coach, I really um don't do well writing nonfiction. I write, I have written nonfiction and actually I just wrote um, an article for um, concerning uh, stress and um, I just did a workshop on, on grief. So I do write those things, but I like writing them in fiction because in fiction, people can relate to them better because you make it into a story. And I feel like it's really important that people recognize not only themselves but their loved ones when it comes to mental health. And and when you're reading um, nonfiction, it can be very intimidating trying to understand the terminology and trying to understand well where does this fit in my life and who do I call? So I try to include all of that in my in my fiction books. I think it's really important to to acknowledge hurt and to whether it's family hurt whether it's church hurt whether it's self-sabotage it's really it's important to acknowledge that and to help people to acknowledge it in themselves so they can heal and and my whole goal my entire life i'm pretty sure has been wanting people to heal wanting myself to heal you know i had to learn how to heal um and and so that gave me more perspective trying to help other people to heal. So I I, I I enjoy writing it in a way so that not only are they getting enjoyment from reading the book, they are also getting knowledge about whatever the the um, uh, emotional topic that I chose for the book. This book it is. Um, Physical and emotional abuse in this book, and so my my prayer is that people will be able to glean from it enough to recognize themselves or someone they know and can get help, resources for them to help them to heal. That's my goal.
0: I was just about to ask you that question, so maybe I'll try to. I'll try to um... Uh, reworded different? Because your books often explore uh, physical, mental, emotional relationship and spiritual trials mm-hmm. that individuals and families face. So how mm-hmm. do you approach these sensitive topics in your writing?
1: I, I have a book called The Story of Wade. And it's from my very first series. The first book of that series is called Saved by Grace. And it is about a family that started out because two two young people had a child. Well, they got pregnant out of wedlock. They got married, and one side of the family was totally against the marriage. So there was a lot of hurt, um, emotional hurt from that. And but but the child also was born with mental health um, issues and so it just so as I wrote the book on um Saved by Grace you know I started introducing the the different things that was going on I introduced the uh the church herd there was some a little bit of church in this one not a lot but mainly it was family of Um, emotional abuse and so I started introducing that you know um, with the person that was causing most of the abuse and showing how it happens and you know so as I'm writing it you can see that this is what happens in regular families when someone in the family especially like if it's a patriarch or matriarch of the family does not want something to happen as serious as a marriage or a child coming into the world you see a lot in society and um where if a child is coming into the world um um out of wedlock, the parents and the grandparents can either make or break the esteem of the parent and the child, depending on how they treat them, you know so a lot of a lot of women have been and girls have been kicked out or sent off to no man's land or whatever and the parents ostracized them. And so and that's sort of almost what happened in um my book, my first and second book, where so it talked about how, you know, this the um the the heads of the family treated the the parents of this child and how they treated this child. And because of the way they treated this child, it caused mental health issues in the child. And the story of weight is the continuation of that. That child becomes an adult and the issues that that child has because of the things that occurred when that child was small. So that's how I try to pull it in so that you can see what's you can see the reality of what's going on, but I'm not um i I want it to be fun, but I'm not making light of it i i ho- I hope that makes sense you know
0: absolutely absolutely, and you know I'm a big fan, so um <laughs> I, I, I've read I've read um, a few of your stories and they all are very in mm-hmm. depth, very descriptive, and um, but they are also engaging. They grab you, you know, as soon as you uh, open the page. You know, my favorite one is uh, um, state of a <laughs> Uninvited un- 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 Memories. Oh, Uninvited Memories is my oh yeah. <laughs> Y'all gotta get Uninvited Memories, and we're gonna talk yeah, more about yeah. that a little later in the show. Okay. Um, if, if you if you if you haven't heard about Uninvited Memories, uh reel back, go to iHeart Music or anywhere that um Liz and Linda is on and you uh just find the uh the shows that we have uh that I've had with Dr. Audrey before and just replay those because we go very, very in depth about uninvited memories. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. we, do. we had a good time on did we girl, we had a good time yes. with uninvited memories. Yeah, yes, we really but did. that's not what we hear about today. No, we're going to talk about <laughs> <this real well. laughs> Okay, but before we get into Dead Girl Walking, um, I, I just want, I want to let the listeners know a little bit more about you. Now, you're involved in community-based programs that focus on personal and professional development. How has yes. this work influenced your writing, and how do you see your books contributing to the personal growth and transition of your readers?
1: I, one of the things I do is, you know, I do workshops and my workshops uh, stem from personal growth and development and transition. So personal growth includes stress, self-care, self-esteem, um, dysfunction, um, um I do vision boards uh if it, it's just an it, pretty much anything that is can be surrounded by mental health and mental wellness I do workshops on it I've done workshops for children that are um foster care and and um self worth and and self identity so I, I really it's like my passion I really love doing uh, this type of work. So when when I'm doing uh, workshops at different um, organizations or different events, then I try to set up my workshop based on what, of course, whatever the theme of the event is, but also the um, the personality of the people that I'm going to be working with, because. Psychology is something that can reach and touch anything and anybody under any circumstance. So, but it is not cookie cutter. You cannot cookie cut psychology. You cannot cookie cut mental illness. You know, you can't because everybody is an individual and therefore um you can have one person that's uh, has issues with depression and you can have another person that has issue with depression and it's like 180 degrees opposite. So so you cannot make a cookie cutter. So I enjoy, um, I have like one, you know, I, have, I have a self-care workshop that I do and I've done that workshop maybe four or five times and I've had to rewrite it each time because each time I was doing it for a different type of group. So I had to rewrite it so that it um worked with that group and, and that's what I enjoy doing. And it works well because if you do that, then when you're engaging with your um with the people in the audience, they feel more comfortable engaging back. I just I was in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago and I did a workshop on grief and there was only like five people there. But we had the best time because everybody felt comfortable everybody was able to talk about their thing whatever you know pertaining to grief and and so we all got to learn something um from it and everybody got um the feedback i received was that they all felt like the workshop was written for them and about their situation even though i had no idea what their situation was until they told it So so that's what I like to do And that's how I write my books Because I want every single individual To read that book and it be personal For them Not look like a cookie cutter book um, That You know is just a bunch of stuff Thrown together I like for it to feel individual
0: And I can appreciate that so much And I'm the same way You know like it's okay <laughs> every once in a while, like, to have a big group, you know, and I, and I know you can attest to that by being a professor um, and an educator as well. But um, just, you know, those intimate groups, you can mm-hmm. get more personal with your mm-hmm. people. Have that exactly. time to actually have that dialogue and get to know that person on a more intimate level and be able to really connect with your audience. Like, it's okay exactly. uh, to have a, let's say I have, you know, millions of listeners and I'm okay with that but you know the ones that are here that are live um Mm -hmm. the live listeners where they come in and out like right now I had like uh earlier I had 872 peak listeners but Mm -hmm. every time I would check I would get maybe 30 40 at a time when I'm checking so I'm I'm, I'm back and forth and I'm checking the numbers but at the same time I'm appreciative of just those thirty and forty. I'm appreciative exactly. of those six, and seven. I'm appreciative of the one that makes of you the listen. one, because that one that's listening, that thirty that's listening, are are feeling it in some type of way that makes it personal to them, or they would not listen. So I appreciate my Lindas and my Luthers that come in and listen and 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 and, and, and find a way. Or God makes a way to use us, me, the host, you, the guest, as vessels to pour into these people, so they can be able to uh, to know that there is somebody who can mirror what they're going through. So I truly, truly appreciate you and what you do for the community as a philanthropist, as a speaker, as a as a as a as a therapist, as a life coach. As a motivational speaker, as an author, you are an amazing, as a veteran, um, you are just an amazing person, and I really, really value our friendship, Um, and I want to touch on uh, your diverse range um, of experiences in your life. Um, Like I said, from being a coach to a counselor to raising a family, how do you draw inspiration from these different aspects? When creating your characters and their stories, like how do you ensure that your stories resonate with your readers from various backgrounds?
1: Well, your favorite book, Uninvited Memories, is um, is a good example because I am I am retired Navy. You know, it's like once a sailor, always a sailor. And but I'm retired Navy. I joined the Navy when I was 19. So the majority, well, all of my adult life was surrounded by military, you, actually Navy. I wasn't really around a whole lot of the other service um, um, people. But so the series that's with that Uninvited Memories, Earl Grey Chronicles, that series is all about the Navy and different things that go on, you know, while I was in the Navy. And the names have changed to protected innocent and the guilty, including mine. But um, but I just use that, you know, not only for different things that were happening during the time periods that I use, but also at that point when I was in the Navy, what I wanted to be once I retired. I am not that now, but in my book. So I use that as a character in my book. So. Um, when I wrote, <clears throat> when I wrote, um, Save by Grace series, there are um, different cultures in that book, and one of the cultures is Hispanic because my husband is Hispanic, and so I wanted to include his culture in my books, and so I, of course I got him to help me with it, and I made sure the Spanish was correct that um that I put in the book but the one thing I am very particular about is facts I I I um live and I've lived in a world of facts and so I still use that because I don't want to put something in my book that is wrong you know I don't want to say you know the people live in Chicago and I'm describing stuff that's in you know Kentucky so, so, I do a lot of research to make sure that my locations are correct, the language is correct, um, if I'm doing t- all of my books vary um, they go back and forth in time, so I make sure that the timing, um, the clothes that they're wearing is correct, the language they're using is correct, because I think that's really important. one of the one things I absolutely hate is if I'm reading a book or watching a movie and the facts are wrong, because then I'm not interested anymore. And I don't want anybody to stop reading my work because I made a mistake with, you know, the um, the facts. So I'm very um, anal and OCD about that. So I, I and then, you know, I talk to people and I say, well, what do you think about so-and-so-and-so? And, you know, and they'll let me know what they think about, and that I may or may not use like that. My my son is a policeman and I had a scene in one of my books that was involved policemen. So I wrote it and I sent it to my son. And he said, no, it won't happen like this. This, this would never happen. And so I had to change it because I did not want it to be weird, you know. Um, so and I think most authors, that's what they do. You know, they make sure their facts are correct.
0: Exactly. And that's why I had to go back and forth with um, doing research as well for my memoir, uh, because I wanted to uh, speak with, you know, um, I'm not in touch as I used, like I used to be with China with my mom. So um, I had to speak with older people from Chicago to figure out if I'm using the correct, you know, the correct slang mm-hmm. back in the 60s right. and the 70s. To exactly.
2: Try to
0: make sure like those conversations, like calling up auntie, you know, my auntie on my mom's side, or you know, a few people to just try to see like uh, where, you know, this street, the correct street that this bar was on, so on and so forth. So, and if yeah. if I couldn't get the information, I would just say a bar with or a hole in a wall or something like that uh, because I want with- to make sure that I get facts correct. I think that is very I- very. Um, very, very important when writing a book, because you don't want to say that Jimmy's was on uh, Chicago Avenue when well, we know that it was on Grand. Okay? we want You know what I'm saying? Like the Jimmy's, the hot dog stand on Brandon Pulaski. We want to make sure that we got it on the correct corner, because you don't want to say it was on Chicago Avenue. No, it was not on Chicago Avenue and Laramie. That was Abe and Tom's The Silver right. Door. You know, like you, you from Chicago. If y'all from Chicago, y'all know what I'm talking about. You cannot mix them up. You cannot mix up uh, Babas with Lulus or mm. Al's beat or Lulus with Al's beat. You can't. Right. It just, you know, it's 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 you you will be doing Chicago a disjustice, justice. Okay. Right. So you have to make sure that you got those names, and you got those streets, yeah. and you got everything correct because the people of your town will come for you. Yeah, Everybody and they will uh-uh. books. Yes, they'll they'll yes. ostracize you, and
1: they'll tell all their friends, no, she don't know what she's talking about. Uh uh-uh, uh, this yeah. ain't right. Uh uh-uh. uh, no, no, because she needs to have this right. Yeah, nope. yeah. Nope. that's, Coutini, that's, 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 what, yep.
0: that's yep. what you don't want. Because I'm gonna tell you, a lot of veterans do that too. There, uh, you'll have some people who saying that they 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 fought in the war, they did this, and my husband. He he really pays attention when people get yes. on TV and they be talking about yes. it. Like, he be like, mm-mm, they was not in the shits. No, they wasn't. Yep. Be That's a yep. lie. Because they, yep. I know, because I was there, and none of that happened. Or You know, he, exactly. he don't go like that. Uh, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. They would have exactly. to, mm-mm. Never heard of it. So he called <laughs> it out. He, and that's why he, he be real low-key about his because he— he don't want to be, because he knows, like, you got to, uh, oh, so a certain things you ain't even supposed to talk about. So when you, when you, um, when they're saying certain things, he'd be like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. That that person yeah. didn't do nothing. They probably worked in the kitchen and probably was listening to stories or something. would let it be. <laughs> no, they was a yeah. chef. Or they was a janitor. Or they worked in the bookstore. No, nope, nope. Right. no, nope, yeah, no.
1: they didn't.
0: Um, okay. So we're going to get into dead girl walking now. Um. Okay, we're gonna get into Dead Girl Walking now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the opening of your novel introduces because this is a novel, correct?
1: Well, it's a novella. Um, um, uh, you know, it's it's not
0: even a hundred pages. Yeah, so it's a novella, right? Yeah, it's okay. a novella. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this and the opening of it introduces us to. Mrs. Jane Doa, hmm Jane Doa Smith Burton, a woman mm-hmm. who has endured physical trauma and finds herself in a vulnerable situation. Can you elaborate a little on the journey of healing and personal growth that Mrs. Burton goes through throughout the book? Well, um,
1: from a child, you know, she had to deal with the name she was given but it was more than that she had to deal with how she was treated by her family her parents and her siblings and so she had to learn how to survive in in a abusive um neglectful negative atmosphere in the house that she had to live in and and it just spilled over into the world outside of that house. And so that's how she grew up. And um, as an adult, you know how a lot of times we will hear, um, we will hear it said that people tend to gravitate towards what they're used to. And she was used to um, emotional and physical abuse and she didn't know that she was gravitating toward that, because of course you know how how um men and women are, but in this case, guys, you know he sweeped her right off her feet and um and when he um when he had her where she he wanted her to be, then he treated her the same way her family treated her, but she had to learn that she was better than that. Nobody had ever told her she was better than that. So the book, and I don't want to tell the book, but the book, you walk with her through her journey of learning what self-concept means, learning how to identify who you are, learning what self-worth and self-value means, learning how to identify herself, what is self-identity, and learning the difference between low esteem and self esteem you know um, uh, um um high esteem so she she walked through all of that and it was painful for her because because a world where she was valued was was nowhere in her life um journey and so she had to learn that. And the, the coach, the life coach that she had, Christian life coach, and, the, and she had to help her to understand that God never um, treated her that way. Her family was not a Christian family. They weren't church goers. You know, they didn't believe in any of that. So that's what she had to do. She had to learn how to how to be a different person
0: okay now as a christian life coach dr roxanne matthews offers support and guidance to miss burton Mm -hmm. how does the concept of faith and spirituality play a role in mrs burton's transformation like how does she navigate her own beliefs and reconcile them with the challenges that she faced
1: well um she didn't have any beliefs. You know, she she had no beliefs. And um as as far as what it meant to be spiritual, what it meant to 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 know that that Jesus loves you no matter what, you know, and, and you know how we say Jesus loves me, this I know, and it's like no big deal. But she didn't even she had never heard that comment before. So, um, Dr. Matthews had to like start her basically from, you know, the way we would talk to our children, you know, to help her to understand that Jesus is real and that, um, and that you know, he will never leave her nor forsake her. I mean, she had to like really walk her through and she had to walk her through tenderly because, um, um, Jane was very fragile and at any moment she could just say, okay, I can't do this. I'm gone and never come back. And that's the thing in, in reality that psychologists and psychotherapists and, um, Coaches, Life coaches have to worry about, um, and, and I guess worry is a weird word to use, but they have to have a concern because you know what this person needs in order to heal, but you have to spoon feed them on their terms because otherwise, they. I had a client that left. I had a client, she, at, by the third week, she was like, okay, I can't do this, I'm gone, and she never came back because because the more she heard what um and the more she realized what she had to do in order to make her life better she didn't want to do that and and she knew that that's where we were going to be until she made the decision to to move forward and she didn't want to move forward at least she didn't want to change In order to move forward. So she stopped coming. And I haven't heard from her. This has been years ago. Before COVID. And I never heard from her again. So I don't know what happened to her.
0: (laughs) So um, I think that a lot of times. You know. Like you say. You have to phone feed people. Mm -hmm. Because just because. Like we want them to do something. So bad. And we want them to get it so bad. But what we fail to realize is that. They don't move on our time. Like uh, trauma they have to heal in the time that that's prepared for them. And a lot of times, um, in my own experience, um, dealing with you know, dealing with people that I just I want you to change so bad. I know what it is that you're supposed to do. So let me lay out the steps for you on what I feel you should do in order to get past this moment. A lot of times, like you said, um, they're not ready. It's not that right. they don't want to, but they're not ready. They're not and ready. I had right. to I had to look within myself to say, who am I to tell them when to be ready? Sometimes mm-hmm. we have to let people sit in it and just listen to them and just mm-hmm. sit in and sit in it and sit in it until they say, you know what, I'm tired of sitting in this. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of sitting in this. Let me start opening my ears now. Because mm-hmm. once once they feel like it's being something is being pushed on them, it's an instant reaction to retaliate or reject or refuse. Because you know, I, I'll take you back to uh, when I stayed with my grandmother and my dad, right? And my dad said I, I had three rules: no tattoos, no perms, no haircut. Right? Three rules. When I left, I got my hair. I got a perm. I cut that hair, and I got a whole bunch of tattoos that I regret. (laughs) That I regret right now because it was like, "Ha! You said I can't do it, so I'm finna do everything y'all said I couldn't do because y'all said I couldn't do it, and because y'all not the boss of me no more, and because it's just like you want to do what you, you the the human flesh." Always wants to do what is said not to do just to prove that they are in control of their own life. And I think once people feel like someone else is trying to take control of them instead of trying to help them, um, they begin to rebel and get rebellious. So I had to find a way to open my ears more to what's going on with them. And just be a listening ear and let them vent until they just get tired of venting. And then when I say, now do you want my opinion? And they said, no, I want just somebody to talk to. Okay, cool. I'll listen, but don't expect me to be a yes person, right? Just, I'm here for you to vent, let it all out. Hopefully you feel better. You need somebody to talk to, but after a while it's like, okay, you're here. We know you're here. So what, what are your plans to do now? And that's how I was able to navigate that. Am, am I saying something wrong, Dr. Dr. Audrey?
1: No, no. Um, the I think the biggest thing is one of the reasons why um, I don't do psychotherapy. Well, there's two reasons. First of all, I think that um, the insurance industry is... Um, falls on the same category as wasps and rats and snakes. They're all come from the pit of hell and they need to all go back there. So, so that's my first opinion. And my second opinion is that, other people when you when you are working through a system they are always telling you what to say and how to say it and when to say it to your clients and that is the worst thing you can do because because you have to learn your clients it takes a minute for you to even learn your client and and for them to feel comfortable enough to even tell you what their stuff is And so and once they start telling you what your stuff is, then 70 percent of the um, of the um, counselor or coach coaches time should be spent listening to what this person is saying. And 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 when you give recommendations, the recommendations should be based on what they say they want to do. And even and and yes, you can word it in a way because you know that if they want to become a neurosci neuro psychologist or or a, a brain surgeon, that there are certain steps they have to take before they get to that point. So they can't skip steps if they wanna be a brain surgeon. They can't skip steps if they wanna be an electrician or a car mechanic or whatever. You cannot skip steps, but at the same time, you can help them to see where those steps lie and how they're supposed to do it without turning them off, basically. You know, and and by saying, okay, you said you wanna do this, so how do you think? What is it you think you have to do in order to get
0: exactly. from A to B to C to D? You know, to make them feel secure and make them feel like they have control because they right. don't. yeah they because have they to have, have life. Life. Yeah.
1: yeah exactly they have to have control because if they don't then it's a waste of everybody's time.
0: You know, it, yeah. it's
1: like it's like forcing somebody to go to rehab when they don't want to go. Exactly, because as soon as they come out of rehab.
0: They're going to go back to doing whatever it was they were doing. Yep. Because you're not giving them a... You're not allowing them to be ready. You're trying to force it on them. And trauma takes time to heal. You can't hurry up and heal when you've been hurt or you've been... You know, you can't... You go through a traumatic experience, whether it's heartbreak, whether it's breakup, whether it's a breakup with a friend... Whether it's betrayal, whether it's, you can't hurry up and heal from that. And right. people try to say all this, oh, just let it go. Let this yeah. go. Let that go. But when you've been hurt like that multiple times, it, beca- yeah. it, it, it that's traumatic. That's like, it not only did, did this person hurt you, but it triggered you and took yeah. you back to a place where it's like, okay, this is happening again. For yeah. the twenty seventh, twenty eighth time, what is it about me that is starting to attract you? Then it makes you feel like something is not not necessarily something is wrong with you, but what are you doing in your life that keeps attracting these type of people, mm-hmm. and that makes you really want to dig deep within yourself um, to figure that out? So exactly. let's uh, let's let's work back around to the book, but I, I I think that's a great point and that's a great outlook. As far as dead girl walking, from what I read with Miss Burton. Now, mm-hmm. the relationship with uh, with Miss Burton and her neighbor, who initially mm-hmm. shows hesitation and judgment, it seemed to be an important aspect of the story. Can you mm-hmm. delve into the dynamic of that relationship and how it evolves over time? How does it contribute to Miss Burton's healing process? Story. Right. Right. How does motherhood shape Miss Burton's choices and actions? Well, obviously, you know, if she didn't have her child, I think she would have left
1: a long time ago, or she would have been she might have been more uh, able to to fight him back. And um, she, pro- she would have never went to the neighbor. She probably would have just left. But because she had a child and she had to be concerned about what was going to happen to her child and how she was going to protect her child. That's how she ended up with the neighbor. And that's how she ended up with Dr. Matthews because, you know, um, when her social worker was like, okay, you need to talk to her. You know, you don't have to, but I think it's a good idea. And it'll, you know, to protect you and to protect your child. And I think mothers and fathers, but, but mothers are more, apt to put up with more stuff because of the children most women that are being physically abused or emotionally abused stay because of the children if there are no children then you know they are more apt to leave but if there are children they stay and and they and they put up with whatever they have to put up with in the hopes that it doesn't um trickle down to the children and so that's that's what
0: she did i agree it 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 was you know i reading it you know it really 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 got me thinking um and and that's why i say like in this book um as i was exploring the themes um you know the first thing that came to mind you know for me was like resilience protection and like you said the lift that a mother would go through to ensure the safety and well being of her child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as a Christian life coach, you you aim to help individuals to navigate these transitions. Um, mm-hmm. What are some specific goals and aspirations that you hope for um, for Miss Burden in the story um, and her child's future? And how do you envision, uh, moving forward, if you were to do a part two of this, um, her child? Um, and how do you envision the life of her child, having witnessed this at such a young age, um, if they were to receive the support and guidance that need, that's needed to make that positive change in their life?
1: Well, there, there is a part two. <laughs> and um, so, so I don't want to. Um, I don't want to go a whole lot into it, but um, the, fortunately for her, she has Dr. Matthews, and and Dr. Matthews is helping her take a lot of little baby steps. Towards um, creating a new life for herself and and I think that's what's important if if we have you only need you know you don't need a whole lot of people in your world you really don't you you just need one or two good people that really have your best interests at heart that's all you need and and fortunately for her, she was able to meet Dr. Matthews and Dr. Matthews was willing to walk this journey with her. And to help her to um to see that there is another world that she can live in that doesn't involve abuse and hurt and um and 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 you know and all that sort of thing and because of that, she um is able to start learning ways to um, raise her daughter so that her daughter has um Learns from early what self-value and self-concept and self-worth and self-identity, what all of that is from, you know, you know, we teach our children that from little. She was never taught that, but now she can teach her child because she's learning how important all of that is. You know, so um, so I think that um, having that one person is
0: really what um, what she needed. I agree. I agree. Such a great book. You guys, if you, uh, can you tell people um, where they can find the book, um, where they can find all of your books and how to reach you uh, before we uh, close out this segment? Uh,
1: my, my website, you can reach me on my website and dead girl walking is still, um, is in pre is in pre sale. Oh. And, um, and I haven't, it's posted on my website, transition life coach, the number four, the letter com. And you can go there and see all of my books and you can order all of my books from me autographed or you can order my published books on, if you like eBooks, then you can order them on eBooks from Amazon or Barnes and Noble or um, Walmart or wherever. But um, I don't have audibles. Um, I don't have audio books, but uh, Dead Girl Walking, I have two new books that are coming out that are not physical books yet, but they can purchase them, pre-order them, and they will get pre-ordered um, autographed copies of them. And I'm I'm working with my publisher now. You know who my publisher is? Yes, Miss Queen of Yes. You know? And um, so I'm 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 working with her. So you know to get everything in the proper order. And I know that uh, with with the pre-orders. Of the paperback, you know, there'll be some other little trinkets added in the package. But um, right now, like I said, my website is www.transitionlifecoachfor the number four, letter u.com. And my email address is Audrey Ann's Books, and it's just like it sounds A U D R E Y A N N S.
0: B-O-O-K-S at Yahoo.com. Well, I want to thank you so much, uh, Dr. Audrey, and um, I've been having technical difficulties. Y'all know I love playing my music, so now Mm -hmm. I'm starting to play the music coming on and then the music going out. Um, Just until... I let people know exactly how to come in and listen to music. So I'm just going to make that known today that when you log in, please use your Apple ID to log in. So that way you will be connected through Apple music and that way you'll be able to listen to the music as we play. However, once the, 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 the episode is uploaded, You will hear all music. So when you come back after the replay is available, you will be able to hear all music. Okay. so if you're not able to hear it live, that's totally fine. You come back, you listen to the replay. You'll be able to listen to the music. And once it's distributed on all platforms, all music will be available, of course, to listen to because it will be edited and recorded and upload it, and distribute it. Um, I want to thank you so much, Dr. Audrey. Um, If you don't mind, can you bless us with a closeout prayer?
1: Yes, ma'am. Father in heaven, you are so good to us. And most times we don't deserve it, but you are good to us anyway, and we thank you. Father, we ask you to be with our families, be with those that are hurting. Father, be with um, with those that are bereaved there there's a lot of um deaths going on lately, and we just ask that you be with the family to help them to understand that no matter the tragedy, you are still there with them and and you will allow the Holy Spirit to come and comfort them. Father, Father, we ask that you allow each of us that is listening to be a beacon for someone else who is hurting who is in need um just lend a listening ear and Help them to find the resources that they need, Father, because sometimes people are still a little skeptical about working with mental health professionals. But maybe the people that are listening will be able to tell them that you know Christian mental health professionals are a good thing. but um, and if anyone on this um, that is listening um feels like they could use a listening ear, Father, allow them to reach out, you know to us and allow us to be that listening ear for them. Lord God, we just ask that you continue to bless us, continue to bless, um, listen, Linda, continue to bless Jackie and her husband and her children, Father, that they will continue to be um, uh, a, a light for you in their community, Father. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray, and we thank you for everything. Amen.
0: Amen. And I want to give another thank you to everyone who is tuning in, all 129 of my listeners today who are tuning in. Thank you so, so very much. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you again, Dr. Audrey. And it's always a pleasure to have Amen. you on. You are, you are a good, good best friend of the show and a true friend to me and to my family and we just love and appreciate you so much. God bless you all and I'm going to end it with Count On Me because I feel like this song resonates with Dead Girl Walking and with uh, Miss Matthews, uh, with um, Miss Matthews, with uh, Miss Burton and also I'm going to throw in The Neighbor as well. I -hmm. think that all of them have a certain relationship with each other. It may not be the best uh, with uh, Miss Burton and the neighbor, but the neighbor really, truly, uh, to me—if um, you—if you get the book, you'll understand what I mean when I say she had a, a special love for her and for her mm-hmm. child. And I truly, truly appreciated that that relationship that that uh, that came out of that once so mm-hmm. toxic type of way. It ended right, up being right. really beautiful. Um, so I'm going to play the song that resonated with me. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear Dr. Audrey Ann, but it's uh, Count On Me, Whitney Houston and Cece Winans. Thank you all and have a blessed night. Mm-hmm. Count me for
2: thick and thin A friendship I-